Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sports Plus Podcast, a part of the WWCU Podcast Network. I am your host, Joel Vélez. And if you stumbled upon this feed, you might be wondering what this podcast is all about. Let's break it down. This podcast is going to be all about sports, as the name suggests. Pro basketball, pro football, baseball, that's just wrapping up, you name it. We do have something different here, and that is our coverage of Western Carolina basketball. You see, I am a freshman here at WCU in beautiful Cullowee, North Carolina, and my job for the next four years, hopefully, will be to bring you never-before-seen or heard access to the men's basketball team here on campus. So from now until March, look out for interviews, scoops, and so much more coming straight from Catamount Basketball. They are a team on the come up here on the Southern Conference, for sure, and I just know that covering them this season will be a wonderful experience. Speaking of interviews, we've got a great one here. Got a quick one for you coming up. I talked with senior forward Carlos Dotson, the team's leading scorer last year. Look at that. Already getting the marquee guess. <laughs> but, yeah, we, we'll be talking with Carlos Dotson, and later... We'll have Kenny Good and William Jones here to talk about some pro football. I know a lot of things happened this past week and a lot of things coming up, so we'll definitely touch on those. But before I start, I do want to thank a couple people. I want to thank the administration here at WWCU, Lyndon Jones, Peyton Schrader, and Don Connolly. Thank you for giving this barely fluent Puerto Rican kid a chance to just put myself out there. It's a crowded field out there in the podcasting world. And I really appreciate the chance. I also want to thank some few people, and I might lose a couple of you here, but please bear with me quickly. Para mis hispanohablantes, y es muy especial para mis compatriotas boricua, de verdad, gracias por sintonizar. Ya sea que lo estás escuchando porque lo viste en mis redes sociales, o porque te lo dije en una llamada, o por mensaje de texto. Familia, amigos. Ustedes son los que me empujan todos los días a ir a clase y echar para adelante, con las esperanzas de algún día volver. Los aprecio un montón. All right, right now, for your delight, Carlos Dotson. El balón es para Puerto Rico, contraataque, vamos a ver lo que inventa, lo que inventa, lo que inventa Carlos Arroyo. All right, so we're now here with Carlos Dotson. Carlos, thank you for joining us. Yes, sir. What's up? Um, first of all, how how are things going here at Western? This is your second year, I know. So how are things going so far? It's pretty good so far. We having a great fall practice, getting ready for the season. Yeah. We're looking good this year. Um, I know that you guys didn't really have that short of a summer break, right? You, oh, no. you we came, came back. back in July. Yeah, well, I was here all summer working mm -hmm. out with the coaches. So I ain't yeah. had no summer break. I knew you grew up in uh, Maryland. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, Were you more of an NBA fan, being around like you know the Wizards and oh, nah, stuff like that? NFL, NFL, I was watching the Redskins growing yeah. up. Did you play football growing up? Uh, I played seven through tenth grade. Okay. And then I stopped. Started focusing on basketball. If you hadn't been pushed to play basketball, do you think that you would have pursued a career in football? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was did you play? I was a defense man. You got sort of an unorthodox kind of path to college basketball you know you started late relatively and uh you know you're now here in a d1 college but before like you were at junior college and you were at anderson college so like how do you think this different path kind of helped you develop as a player as a, and a person yeah, I, i say it helped me because i played at all levels been around a whole bunch of different type of people to help me throughout all them years that doesn't really help with uh you know scouts they're often looking for these prototype sort of players coming out of high school and they often miss the little details why do you think you weren't touted as a bigger prospect coming out of high school i mean i was i was way shorter than what i was right now yeah and i wasn't i really wasn't that good 
I think I got a lot better since high school. How much you grown since then? Uh, about three inches. I lost a lot of weight too. Who do you think shaped you to be the person that you are today and helped push you to uh, today? My mama, my uncle, and uh, my high school coach, Coach Ryan at yeah. Dorman. I mean, I've seen some clips of the team uh, from last year and looked at the box scores, and I, I kind of have a good idea for the game that you play and the rest of the team, but it's not really sort of a full picture. So how do you think you can describe your game? Uh, really all around. I, can, I mean, I can dribble, shoot. Well, not like shoot threes, but I can. <laughs> yeah, shoot the midi. Yeah. I mean, that's really valuable. Rebound, scoring the post. I can take people off the dribble. I really can do it all. Yeah, versatility is really important. I was talking to DJ about this. Uh, uh, he told me about how you guys play sort of a, a loose offense, so to speak, where yeah. like you, you guys try to do your own thing and like be sort of unpredictable. How do you think that system of unpredictability with your versatility meshes? You know, like how does it fit? Uh, I think it fits because really you can play with freedom. Like you ain't got to worry about no restrictions besides shooting the three. Coach probably yeah. might not let me shoot that. What about on defense? I, I know that you guys play a pack defense. Yeah, we play the pack. So we really just... Yeah, for the listeners who don't know, uh, pack defense is sort of where, like, it, it's kind of like man-to-man, but you're playing in, like, these sort of boundaries yeah. that don't extend out to the three-point line. Yeah, and it's hard to get, get to the paint. Mm-hmm. But when they got the ball, we pressure. And when they got it, we back up into the pack. Mm-hmm. So how do you think uh, you fit into that? I mean, I'll say I fit in because I'm just protecting the... I know how to protect the paint. Yeah, you, I mean, you, your rebounding percentage is really good. I mean, you led the team in it and mm-hmm. points. Like you, I guess I just wanted to get a feel for how you thought you did because I, I would personally say like you fit in really well. Even though Coach Prosser was really adjusting to becoming a first-year head coach and you were obviously first-year here. Yeah, adjusting uh, first-year D1. You guys really meshed together as player-coach in a way where like it was really noticeable that he looked to you a lot, kind of carry the offense. Are there any sort of moves that you added this summer to the repertoire or something yeah, like that? my right hand. Do you have any, like, expectations? Uh, are you looking forward to anything specific? I mean, when the conference. It's all about the little things, you know. Yeah. The SoCon is, in, uh, is very competitive. It doesn't have a top dog, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Where, like Everybody, there's a lot of good teams. Yeah, SoCon. and if uh, if you guys just kind of fill in the gaps, and I'm sure that you guys have a really high chance of winning the conference getting far, do you think you have, a, like, any player comp? And, and uh, they... I, was, I mean, a lot of people say Zach Randolph. Yeah, oh. Yeah, you're a grinder. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we both left, man. It barely can jump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he jumped higher than me, though. I mean, <laughs> he got him taller, too. I mean, later in his career. <laughs> yeah. What's a superstition or weird routine that you follow before games? Let me see. Do you have anything, like... Because I know DJ told me that um, Ano has, like, a really big thing. Yeah, I prayed on a national anthem. I He told me that I got to get Ano on the show because he's got, like, a interesting... Pre-game warm-up well, he routine. Yeah, he didn't tell me. Oh. He, did. he was like, "I'm not spilling the beans." <laughs> oh, no, no. I yeah. gotta ask him. Then. I forgot. Yeah, um, Carlos, why do you wear number zero? Is there any reason for it? Uh, man, one of my favorite post players today game, Demarcus Cousins. Yeah, he wore it last year. I'm rock the head, man. This year, I like him too. Yeah, play for him. I mean, it's, it's really sad what happened uh, with the ACL this summer and uh, all the things that's been going on. You know, you just you pray for the best. You know. Yeah. Um, what are your what or what have been your favorite players like growing up? Did you have uh, any favorite player of all time? Tracy McGrady. Yeah. Oh, he was nasty. Yeah. The magic. I grew up watching him. That's any player that you kind of, I know you say Zach Randolph, but is there any other player that you like model your game around? Oh, uh, I'll say, I mean, Dewan Blair. DeJuan Blair, yeah. yeah he's like a mentor to me. I talked to him almost. Yeah. What were your college choices, uh, senior year of high school? Um, I had like I had like 30 D2 offers. I ain't had no D1 offers. Yeah. 
the final it was between Anderson and Lincoln Memorial. Mm-hmm. And uh, what kind of pushed you to go to Anderson? I mean, really, it was it was close, and yeah, uh, one of my close friends from high school, we used to say like we can go there together. Then you went on to junior college at Florida, right? Central Florida. Yes. Central Florida. And what? How did that come opportunity come about? Really, I was looking for a better opportunity. I was originally trying to go to D two, but I had, like the coach at that school had blocked me from all D twos in the region. So oh. I was like, I was, I'm just gonna go JUCO. Yeah. And I didn't even know I was gonna get like a lot of D one offers. Yeah, but I mean, you you balled out uh, yeah. down there, so that change really helped you out in the long run. Um, are you thinking of uh, going pro? Oh yes. You, you obviously haven't been playing as long as other guys, maybe. Yeah. Like, they haven't been playing since middle school, elementary school. Uh, but you did start being a student athlete very young because you started playing football. And you lived the life of a student athlete, and you've been living it for a while. How do you think all those years of being a student athlete have helped you kind of balance the two now as a college athlete? I'm still trying to learn how to balance. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. It's, uh, it's hard. Yeah, it, I bet. I, like I practice I all day, then you got class, <laughs> study hard. Yeah, the, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, in California, they passed a, a bill which uh, sort of changed how the pay structure is on college basketball. Oh, yeah, they, they can pay players? Yeah, well, they can make money off of their likeness. You know, like, uh, if you want to get a sponsorship, you, they could. Dang. Yeah, and... Yeah, I told Coach Prosser I was going to have the red shirt. I need that. Yeah, that's a... It just goes to show that it's a, it's tough, you know? You guys live through all of the toughness that we regular students go through with classes, and you're, you know, in the grind of a, what, three, four-month season? Yeah. Uh, it's it's incredible, really. You guys, the dedications that you guys show, it should really be put out there more. It helps us a lot with, with balancing, though. Coach Prosser do a good job. Miss Stacy. Yeah. All right. I got one more question, uh-huh. and I'm going to be asking this to all the players that come on the pod, coaches, whatever. Who's the GOAT? The GOAT? Yeah, who's the GOAT? LeBron. Run? Hmm. Go LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think Bron is, too. I mean, you talk about the longevity, man, and just how how tough he is. Yeah. He's been he's been at it for what? This is going to be like your 17th. And like all around. Like, and he's still the best yeah, right like, now. And stuff he do outside of basketball, too. No yeah, other player can do yeah. it. Yeah, he's got a school and thing. Mm-hmm. It's just, he's really just a person to admire all around. Um, all right, anything you want to plug before we head out? Like any social media, just uh, just the team in general? Nah, just come out to all our home games this year. Come support. All right, well, Carlos, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yes, sir. And Puerto Rico come away with it. Brown, Puerto, for three. All right, another segment we'll be doing here on the Sports Plus podcast is the three-point stance. It's going to be led by Kenny Good and William Jones, both students here at Western. It's going to be all pro football talk, uh, so let's get right to it. Kenny, Will, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Joel. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, what's going on around the league? Give me the rundown. So first, you know, what we want to talk about is with the Giants. Mm -hmm. The Giants this week was their first game with quarterback Daniel Jones. Rookie out of Duke, right? Yep, straight out of Duke. A lot of people thought it was a mistake, by the way. 
proved a lot of people wrong, especially with the hate he got after being drafted this season. He definitely silenced a lot of doubters, I believe. Yeah, and, and he got he had big shoes to fill with Eli Manning being there for so many years. Yeah, definitely with that. He was 23 for 36 with 336 passing yards with two touchdowns and no turnovers. And he had two rushing touchdowns? I believe so. Yep, yeah. two rushing touchdowns. Yeah, so a pretty impressive debut for the rookie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely think that the Giants made the right decision with Eli Manning. He's definitely started to digress. He's getting older. Mm-hmm. I think that it was the right decision overall. I don't think it was a mistake, especially in their division with Dak becoming a better quarterback this season, Carson Wentz being a youthful quarterback who potentially could have the chance to play all 16 games this season. And even though the Redskins have Case Keenum, they have Dwayne Haskins at quarterback as a backup, they definitely needed to make a step towards a more youthful team. So I definitely think with them having Saquon, they'll get going. got injured in this game, right? Yes. Unfortunately, was injured. He'll be out, I believe it was four to eight eight weeks. Four to eight weeks. But they'll definitely, they'll have a divisional test this week. They'll be playing the Redskins. Uh, I think it's another game that the can definitely win. It'll be their last game without Golden Tate. I just saw today that Sterling Shepard is day-to-day, so we don't know if he's going to be playing, but I think it'll be definitely another solid test to see if they can get past the divisional opponent. Then not to mention, you know, you got to throw Evan Ingram in there too, you know. Last year he was slept on at tight end, but this year he's really, you know, come on. He had, like, how many receiving yards did he have? Yeah, Evan Ingram had over 100 receiving yards, yeah, six exactly. catches, and a touchdown. Great. Young tight end too, nonetheless, mm-hmm. so... I definitely feel like the Giants are moving in the right direction. I know a lot of people had doubt for them as well with getting rid of Odell and trading him in a surprise move to the Browns. I know especially they just extended him to around a five-year deal, I believe. Definitely, I see the Giants being a better team. I'm not saying a playoff team, but a better team in their division. It's a rebuild situation. For sure. And you see, like you guys mentioned, all the pieces coming back. And a division that, you know, you see the Eagles, they're one and two right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Cowboys. Yeah, Cowboys and the and the Redskins. The Redskins are Redskins I mean, are zero and three. Redskins are zero and three. So, uh, like you guys said, not necessarily a playoff team, but definitely a team on the right track with a lot of youth movement on the way. And speaking of changes at QB, they have. There's been a number of QB injuries so far. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers moving on from Ben Roethlisberger, who was injured earlier this season, receiving Mason Rudolph now as their starting quarterback. The New Orleans Saints moving on with Drew Brees, who injured his thumb, and now with Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill there. Fortunate enough to have two quarterbacks. The Miami Dolphins have made a recent change moving on from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Josh Rosen. And, of course, as we mentioned, it is Eli Manning and Daniel Jones. Who else am I missing? Gardner Minshew taking over for Nick Foles, mm. too. Yeah, really sad injury on the first game of the season. Yeah. yeah, I was kind of excited to see what Nick Foles would do for the Jaguars, personally. Mm-hmm. but Especially after getting such a big contract in the offseason, of sure. course, with his work for the Eagles and what he's been able to do for them more so in the postseason. Of course, winning them a Super Bowl, getting them further in the playoffs than expected. Of course, some fans might say not the biggest win against the Bears, but a win nonetheless, and then another close one in New Orleans. Definitely unfortunate for Jags fans, but I think there's hope for them too. Definitely moving in the right direction with Gardner Minshew. They have a chance as well, I feel. I don't know exactly how he's going to be this season. When you look at the AFC South, you got the Colts right now, who are just another team that's moving on from a quarterback from mm-hmm. Andrew Luck, who retired suddenly yes. in the offseason with Jacoby Brissett. Two and one. Yeah, they're two and one for leading the division. And, and that division isn't really the strongest. I feel like a lot of people are in contention there. You mm-hmm. got the Colts and you got the Jags and you got the Texans. The Texans are just a sleeper. I feel like if they could get 
a good offensive line for Deshaun Watson. I feel like, you know, they got DeAndre Hopkins a wide out. They really just need, you know, a solid running back. But if they could get their offensive line right, I really feel like they could kind of take over that division. I definitely feel like the Texans in their division, I know we're talking about quarterbacks with um, having big shoes to fill, like with Teddy Bridgewater, Jacoby Brissett. But when it comes to, if we're talking about the AFC South and having Jacoby Brissett replacing Andrew Luck, the Colts still have been in playoff contention, I feel. They definitely haven't been rolled over for sure. Mm -hmm. I feel as if they still have a good team. They have Darius Leonard as their linebacker. Still have a formidable team. Uh, they got a pretty good tight end as well, Eric Ebron. Yeah, they really uh, they really made some strides this offseason to mm-hmm. surround Andrew Luck with pieces, and he retired. But, you know, Jacoby Brissett is not just as good a quarterback, but pretty darn good. Yeah, and, he's came in you know, and done his job so far. For mm-hmm. sure. And, you know, he has that experience being a back uh, backup for Tom Brady mm-hmm. when they were with New England. He went 2-0 there, I believe, while Brady was suspended during deflate gate. But definitely, Colts could definitely surprise this season. Yep. I think they could surprise. Um, moving on with the Pittsburgh Steelers with Mason Rudolph. A lot of turnovers last game against the 49ers. Yeah, that was a messy game. It was a very messy game. I want to say they had, I want to say, probably two interceptions from Mason Rudolph. But A lot of fumbles, too. A lot of fumbles on both teams. Mm-hmm. I, I'm scared for their offense. I understand they have Juju Smith and James Conner, but without that leader, that person that they need at quarterback, especially with Big Ben, that's a huge shoes to fill. Yeah. Two-time Super Bowl champion, been in the Super Bowl three times. They definitely are missing a big piece of their offense and something that they're going to have to learn to game plan with and work with Mason Rudolph. It was a close game and a game they definitely could have won if it weren't for the turnovers, but I feel like as if their offense moves a little stiff. Especially, I think there's a lot of uncertainty there. Of course, during the offseason, they had the Antonio Brown drama. They had to deal with Le'Veon Bell just the previous season. It's been a lot. So I think that just seeing the Steelers team, trying to see how they're going to go throughout the season. They're 0-3 right now, and their schedule doesn't get any easier. Of course, they have the Ravens in their division who are looking like a Super Bowl contender, let alone playoffs. I think it's going to be maybe an uphill battle for the Steelers. Yeah, like you mentioned, a lot of turnover in that offense. The, the Basically, yeah, the three pillars of that offense two years ago are gone. For Mike Tomlin, it's it's definitely going to be a challenge. Rallying the team, putting the pieces together, whatever pieces there are left. I know they traded for Minska Fitzpatrick out of Miami, so I, at least they're trying to shore up the defense. But I, I feel like, as you said, that offense is, looks really stiff. They mm-hmm. don't have a lot of weapons, and the QB is quite limited. He's pretty young, and you'd see a tough road ahead for Pittsburgh. Yeah, and another team I believe you could say that for is with New Orleans. New Orleans with them missing big leader and Drew Brees, especially someone they depend on Breeze being 40 years old definitely was a lot of shoes to fill for Teddy Bridgewater who hasn't played a meaningful game in over a thousand days especially coming off a gruesome leg injury back in his time at Minnesota around 2015 definitely watching them in the beginning they got off to a hot start um everyone was talking about it how they had the putt return and then a fumble but even then Seattle still had a good chance to come back in this game but the Saints just found a way I feel like they looked different yeah, they they were definitely more defense oriented in that game. They like, like you said, Teddy Bridgewater, some big shoes to fill uh, for Drew Brees. And similar to the Rams game, I feel like he was a bit just not totally comfortable in the offense. And I feel like for the Saints to win games, it's gonna have to shift to more of a defense 
kind of kind of running the ball kind of situation because mm-hmm. Teddy Bridgewater, while not a bad quarterback by any stretch of the imagination, but definitely mm-hmm. not Drew Brees. Yeah, he's not going to put up Drew Brees like numbers. I don't think that's the expectation, but. He had a solid game, 19 for 27, 177 yards and two touchdowns. But I think the key there is no turnovers. The Saints didn't turn the ball over that game. And I think that plays a big role. I believe during the Rams game, you saw when Drew Brees came out, the offense was completely out of sync. No touchdowns scored that game. Numerous penalties on the offensive line, out of cadence, out of sync. You name it, the offense was doing it wrong. I think that now that they've had that chance to practice, especially a big win in Seattle where it's definitely a difficult place to play with the 12th man and things like that, it's definitely shocking to see the Saints come out and win this game. I'd definitely say there was a lot of doubt. It's not really panic time for the Saints either, though, because, I mean, they still do have an explosive offense with Kamara running back, Michael Thomas at receiver, um, you know, so you just got to really hang in there. I don't. Me personally, I don't believe they're going to lose more than two games while Breeze is out because their offense is still so explosive. Mm -hmm. The Saints' next couple of games, they have a Sunday night game against the Cowboys at home this Sunday. Then another one at home against the Buccaneers. At Jacksonville, at Chicago, then home against Arizona. Then their bye week. And I think Breeze is scheduled for about four to six weeks, so maybe potentially after their bye week against the Falcons at home is when Breeze will be expected to be back. Yeah, when you look at that schedule, you definitely see some winnable games. If, Mm. like you said, uh, low on turnovers for Teddy Bridgewater, shore up on defense. Mm. But, you know, you see a team like Chicago on the schedule who's had their QB troubles of their own with Mitch Trubisky and uh, the Bucks, which have had their struggles as well. Mm. Uh, There are some winnable games to talk one will definitely be the Cowboys. That'll be a test to see who is kind of dominant in the NFC. Mm But they can definitely shore up some wins uh, yeah. before Drew Brees gets back. I think there'll be a strong push to say that New Orleans needs to win out to get to the Super Bowl or to get to the playoffs. Excuse me. I just think that it'll be it'll be a test nonetheless for New Orleans these next couple of weeks. Um, segueing into some teams that don't have a lot of hope so far this season. The only three teams this season are the Miami Dolphins, the Cardinals, the Redskins, the Broncos, the Steelers, and the Cincinnati Bengals. Those teams, which do y'all think doesn't have the most chance? Uh, I personally think the Dolphins, they're going 0-3. The only game I really see them winning, don't they play the... Bengals. They played the Bengals late this That's season. That's the only game I could potentially see them winning. Even at that, I mean, they did just trade away one of their uh, top pieces in their defense with Minka Fitzpatrick. So it's no telling what they might trade away. You know, a little bit later. But I personally think the Dolphins. Um, if I had to choose one more, probably the Denver Broncos, just because their offense isn't really looking too good right now. Going back to the Dolphins, honestly, is it fair to say these Dolphins look like the worst team in a while? I honestly happen for 0-16. I don't see a game in that schedule that they can win. You, you mentioned the Bengals, but even then, they have some semblance of some weapons, of an offense, of a defense, some sort of system. The, mm-hmm. the Dolphins just look disjointed. These past weeks... It's just been, you know... Their past three games, they've only scored a most of 16 points. It's hard when you're going on and off with quarterbacks switching from Fitzpatrick to Josh Rosen. It's a difficult task to say that you can go out and win games and you're losing. And a lot of people have been saying that they're tanking for... Tanking for Tua has been something that I've seen. So 
if this Dolphins team even wants to look formidable throughout this season, they're going to have to start winning games. Just looking throughout their schedule right now, they still have to play the Patriots again. They have to play the Colts, the Browns. only game that I can see them truly looking like a contender in is the Bengals. I yeah, and even can't, then. Yeah, and even then, of course, like, you're just looking at a division that's trying to compete with the Patriots, mm-hmm. for one, which is already have proven to be a fight for second in that division already. And then with other teams, the Eagles, they play them later on this season. It's not even a matter of if they're playing them at home or not, it's if they're going to play at all. Yeah. So it's just we'll have to wait and see. I believe that the Dolphins will have the number one pick this year. <laughs> That's uh, for a <laughs> sake. <laughs> I think you can lock that in. <laughs> but on their bright side, though, they have a lot of first-round picks this year. They mm-hmm. have three so far. We don't know if they're going to be trading anyone else away, but... I think that the Dolphins are in a rebuild mode. They have a lot of salary cap space coming up with the right picks and draft and the right free agency moves. I think they can turn into a better team. I won't say a good team, but a better team than what they are right now. Another team that I think can make a change at 0-3, I think that the Redskins have a chance to turn it around. I think that they need to move on from Case Keenum. Case Keenum had was responsible for, I think, at least four turnovers against the Bears. While the Bears are a great defense, we can't excuse that, that those turnovers come on their own terms. But a lot of that comes from holding the ball too long, making the right reads, making the right decisions, and putting your players in position to be great. That starts at the quarterback. That starts with Case Keenum. And I'm not saying Dwayne Haskins can do that, but I think that they need they need to evaluate who they have at quarterback and start looking at other options. The way the Giants have with Daniel Jones, they understood that, hey, we're not doing good, Saquon's going down, they need to start making some changes. I think the Cardinals personally have like a chance to do a little bit better, turn their season around. I mean, once they get uh, Patrick Peterson, their secondary is not going to get a whole lot better, but it is going to get better. Um, also, they do still have Fitzgerald and a veteran. Um, you know, Kyler Murray is a rookie quarterback, still learning. We are talking about rookie quarterbacks. So I think if there was another team on that list, I do think the Cardinals have a slight chance of turning it around. And they also have David Johnson at running back. For sure. I, I think I agree with you there with the Cardinals. Uh, as far as Kyler Murray goes, he, as far as rookie quarterbacks go, he's been pretty impressive. You know, they haven't won still the loss, uh, losses two weeks prior, and then they have to tie against the Lions. But I feel like they have a competent enough team, and maybe they're not a playoff threat yet, but they can definitely be competitive in that NFC West. I mean, you look at the Seahawks, they're not looking as powerful as, as they have in the past few years. And... You look at the 49ers, and they are 3-0, but they're the sort of team that has kind of been scrappy on their way to their wins. Last week's win especially was pretty sloppy and just pulled it out. I don't know how. And the Rams are 3-0 also. They're obviously a lot for the playoffs. But definitely, like you said, the Cardinals do have a chance of turning this around, maybe surpassing the Seahawks for third place in the division. One thing that does concern with the Cardinals and why I disagree Kyler Murray's been sacked 16 times in these three weeks. I understand that he's a 
mobile quarterback. He likes to run around, especially there's always a lot of talk about his height. He needs to get out of the pocket, mm-hmm. especially if there's a, a, a team with the right defense that can get in his face. You're going to get sacks. So what just concerns me is that it's his O-line protecting him. I think that's something that they can look at into free agency in the draft. I think that the Cardinals will win games, and I agree with you all to the extent that it may not be time to panic because they are, of course, dealing with the rookie quarterback. I just think that they need to look at their O-line. They have some talent at wide receiver. I think they might need more and start preparing for life after Fitzgerald. We don't. He could retire any day now. We don't know. But they need to start looking around to other people, I believe. But you mentioned 3-0 and teams, and now I want to look at the 3-0 and teams, who's real and who is not, who's not a contender and who is. The 3-0 and teams are, as you mentioned, the Rams, the Packers, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Lions, and the Patriots. I do want to point out that the Lions are undefeated, not 3-0. and They did tie with so the Cardinals. And in my opinion, a tie is a loss in my book, but nonetheless defined as undefeated. To say who's a contender, we can get this out of the way quickly. Patriots and the Chiefs. For sure. Easily. I think the Rams as well. Personally, um, yeah. well, from an AFC standpoint, AFC standpoint, okay. yeah, yeah, but AFC we can get the the Rams and, and yeah, definitely sorry, Patriots we, and Chiefs, AFC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can get the Patriots and the Chiefs out of the way. They are locks for AFC playoffs. Honestly, AFC championship, I'd see a repeat. Honestly, I, I, I believe I see a repeat, and definitely, a lot of people talked about how the Saints were screwed out of their NFC championship game, but people forget about how the Chiefs and Patriots went with the rough in the passer call mm-hmm. and D Ford being offsides and no one really talks about that. They can have a chip on their shoulder as well as looking at how something was taken from us, how they had a real chance to win that game but didn't. So I think that looking at the Chiefs and just seeing the way Patrick Mahomes is playing, you know, they don't have Tyree Kill right now. They're gonna get him back. They have LeSean McCoy and Damian Williams at running back. And the defense is getting a little bit better. Also, Travis Kelsey at tight end. There's This is a team to be reckoned with. This is a team that I don't see losing more than three games, if any games at all. I don't want to get too carried away with saying undefeated season, but mm-hmm. it's hard to find a team that can stop them. They play the Patriots later this season, which is going to be interesting. But definitely a team to watch out for between them and the Patriots, who have outscored all of their opponents. It's hard to say that they're not it's impossible to say, in my opinion, that they're not contenders. Uh, if you look at their schedule, got the Colts next week, Texans, Broncos, Packers, Vikings. I mean, these are all games that you see on the schedule, and you're just like, how, how are these teams going to beat them? Actually, I missed the Lions are, are the next yeah. week's game. Yeah, I was just but, about to say, they have an undefeated game <laughs> right. this week between the Lions. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you just look at that, and, and really the only – game you see on the schedule they could lose is the Patriots this Chiefs team if they win their next couple of games which they do have some middle class tough opponents mm-hmm. they beat them it might be time to start talking about 16-0 I think that some of the other teams that they need to start looking at is <clears throat> when we look at their schedule let's look into let's go to October October they play the Packers on the 27th Sunday night football I believe that is that's going to be a tough game the Packers offense it's more so their defense that they're relying on this year which is something that we haven't seen out of the Packers out of late in a long time so definitely that's going to be a great game they have the Vikings whose defense as well has turned into another force to be reckoned with I believe only losing the one game to the Packers this season so far beating the Raiders and the Falcons with ease another game the of course we mentioned the Patriots but also if you look ahead uh, to a week or so after they play the Patriots, they play the Bears. Another Sunday night game. This is going to be 
I wouldn't say undefeated yet. Now I now looking at the schedule, it's going to be tough. And of course, the Chargers. You look at how the Chargers beat them last season. Of course, divisional opponents are always tough. They know you the best. They're, it's going to be a tough slate for the Charger for the Chiefs. Excuse me. I think that of course they'll be in the playoffs. I I believe they may have a bye week. I believe they beat the I believe they beat the Chargers at least once. Um, I don't think they'll beat the Patriots this year. It's going to be a good one. Let's see a lot of season left. We're only we're not even to a quarter of the season being done. It's gonna be one to see. But switching to the teams who are three zero, but I don't believe in. See, I have to see I have to see more from it. I'm definitely looking at the Bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Bills, I believe, I think they start off this way pretty often. Sometimes they do start off fast and they start off looking really good. I like I think they'll be better this season, but I don't believe they'll be a playoff team. I think just how their division is so competitive, of course, with we've mentioned before the Patriots and the Jets. I won't say the Dolphins, no. but there's definitely going to be some competition there. And in the AFC in itself, you have the Ravens and other teams like that. So I can't say the Bills keep this momentum that they're going, um, especially, like I've said, their division. Uh, another team I would say I have a tough time believing in the Lions as well. Um, they tied with the Cardinals this season. Um, the Cardinals aren't a bad team, but they tied with them. They almost let the Eagles come back on them last week. I have a tough time selling myself on it. I can't. I look at the. I look at them and I look at their offense. Sure, it's great now, but I mean, can they sustain it? It just all comes down to sustainability, and can they keep this momentum going? Uh, if you look at the Bills' upcoming schedule, they got the Patriots, Titans, Dolphins. I mean, Dolphins are well, pretty winnable game, but you got the Eagles, the Redskins. Uh, I would say they're maybe in line to contend for that wild card spot, mm-hmm. but you know, probably no farther than that. You're not surpassing the Patriots in that division. Mm-hmm. And then you said the Lions. You mentioned the Packers undefeated. Packers with a new coach in Matt Lafleur, uh, and then you got the Vikings and their excellent defense. It's just tough for me to see that they they go higher than number three at the mm-hmm. division. And even with the Bears as well. Can't forget about mm-hmm. the Bears. Yeah. While their offense is a little shaky, the defense clearly makes it's, up for it. Yeah, it's a really tough it's division. Insane. I do want to point out before we move on, Cowboys, also a 3-0 team, looking pretty good. They haven't had exactly the toughest opponents. Face the Giants mm-hmm. with Eli Manning, uh, Redskins with Case Keenum, and those awful Dolphins. Uh, first tough test is going to be against the Saints, uh, obviously without Drew Brees. Um, but I do want to get you guys' opinion. I know we have a divided room here. I want to get you guys' perspective. When I look at the Cowboys-Saints game, I definitely believe it'll be a test for the Cowboys. Of course, like you've mentioned before, they've played the Giants, the Redskins, and the Dolphins. Um, when I look at those games, you're dealing with the old Eli Manning. Uh, not the same Redskins defense. I know it hasn't always been good, but it hasn't always been this bad. And then you have the Dolphins. I definitely believe this will be their first test. Um, last season, you can remember how it was a test. The Saints are on a 10-game winning streak, and it was a big thing. I think this game is going to be – it'll be reversed for the Cowboys. It'll be the first to see, is Dak really this quarterback? Should we – should Jerry Jones really look into paying Dak the big money for these kinds of games? You already pay Zeke. They have to look into uh, paying Amari Cooper. I think this will be the test to see, is this Cowboys team – prepared to make a deep playoff run and deeper than they have before, NFC Championship, potentially Super Bowl kind of team. And I think that there's a chance they can get this job done. It's just a matter of seeing if they can put it all out there, especially on Sunday night, a primetime game. 
yeah, it's definitely going to be a test for the Cowboys. Um, I'm a Cowboys fan, so I got to go with my team winning. Um, but I do believe it's going to be a test, not more so offensively, but I feel like defensively especially because we do have two of our defensive linemen out in uh, – Tyrone Crawford and Antoine Woods so in terms of defense plus they you know the Cowboys we do tend to start out slow and almost seeming to underestimate people so they might come out underestimate Teddy Bridgewater and you know the Saints could hit the ground rolling and that's the key to the game if the Saints hit the ground rolling and the Cowboys are slow you know the Saints just gonna put their foot on your neck for the rest of the game you know so it's definitely gonna be a test for the Cowboys but I do think my team is able to win this game if we play to our full potential I think if the Cow- I agree with you on that. If the Cowboys play to their full potential and start off fast, and the way that the Saints' offense has started off slow, it's going to be a tough one for the Saints, especially at home. It would be very tough than it, more tough than it needs to be. I'll say. Moving on from the three and teams, um, I do want to talk about if you have any particular team that you think should be worried. Maybe not zero and three but not necessarily off to the start that they would have hoped entering the season. Um, yeah, I think the Browns, it's definitely time for them to, you mm-hmm. know, start worrying about what's going on. Because when you look, all the off-season moves that they made with, you know, getting Odell Beckham and then all the hype around Baker Mayfield, it's just definitely not going the greatest as it was expected. Um, it even took Odell, like, his first big game wasn't until they played the Jets. And, you know, I really just think it's time for them to start worrying. They do have uh, Kareem Hunt. You know, he's on an eight-game suspension. Um, so, so, you know, I right now, looking at Nick Chubb, I feel like he's not really their running back. I feel like he's not getting the job done for him. So maybe when Kareem Hunt comes back, but then it'll be too little too late. But um, just looking at their schedule from here on out, I do think it's tough as well. So if you're a Browns fan, it's definitely time for you to start worrying about your team. I completely agree. I think definitely that when you look at this past game, if we take out the first two, we have the one win against the Jets that they have, and then, of course, the huge opening game loss to the Titans, 43-13, to and then a close one to the Rams, 20-13. to If we just look at the Rams game, Baker, against a tough secondary, I'll say, 18 for 36, 196 yards, uh, one touchdown, one pick. I just... That's not the Baker I think that Browns fans were Mm. expecting. I think expectations were very high. But I think when you're a team, when you're a fan back in, what was it, 2017, and you're going 0-16, and now you have this life with this one quarterback, and y'all had a way better season. You weren't last, you can Mm -hmm. say. You went 7-8-1, I believe it was, last season. And then now you're here, you get Odell, you know you have Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, David Njoku. Great offense, and on paper, looks like a top-10 offense. Of course your expectations are going to be high. But when you build that hype around yourself, and you feel like, yeah, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, especially as fellow players, you look at that and you put a target on yourself. Mm-hmm. So I think that especially with the Titans coming out that first week, not a lot of people were expecting them to do much this season. They came and hit the target. Dominated. They dominated that game, exactly. 43-13. to 13. And then you go to the Jets and Odell feels like he has something to prove going back to New York, let alone if it's against the Giants or the Jets. Back in MetLife Stadium, he felt like he had something to prove. And then when it comes to these primetime games and you you want to be that team, you want to be like the Chiefs, you want to be like the Patriots, especially in the AFC, you aspire to be these teams. You're going to have to learn to beat these teams. They play, if we look at their schedule coming up. It's tough. 
is a tough schedule. They play the Ravens this week, who have already showed they can contend with some pretty big teams. They were able to contend with the Chiefs. The least. best of the best, yeah. They have the 49ers and the Seahawks. They play the Patriots on the 27th. They play, they're going to play the Steelers, we, of course, because they're in their division. Twice. And it's just going to be, it's going to be tough. I believe they can win some games late with the way the Bengals play. I think they can beat the Bengals twice. Mm-hmm. I think they can beat the Dolphins, of course. They can beat the Bills. It just isn't going to be enough to, they're going to have to win some games they're not supposed to win. Of course, there's that big game against the Patriots. I'm sure they're going to feel that's going to be a time to, if, let alone if you win or lose, can you can you fight with them? Can yep. you give them a run for their money? Because right now the Patriots are contending with no one, beating the Jets easily, beating the Dolphins easily. You're going to have to learn to fight these teams, especially you're talking about making a playoff push as a wild card team. You're going to have to learn to deal with that playoff, especially how young the Browns are. It's something to think about. It's something to really look at the Browns, and they need to look in the mirror and say, what kind of team are we going to be? Are we going to be that team that went 0-16? Are we going to be that team that goes 10-6 and or 12-4? and And right now they're not looking like that team. Especially with the 49ers game and the Seahawks game coming up. Mm. If the Seahawks get their defense on track, and the 49ers defense already had an insane showing in their opening season debut, so it's just going to be tough for them. I think it's definitely, you know, not working out the way everybody thought it was. I also think that the coaching staff, whoever calls the offense, is not really it because, you know, you look at that fourth and nine and he called a draw play. You know, you got Odell Beckham, one of the top five receivers in the league, maybe top three, and you're not going at least try to air it to him. Yeah, you got Odell and you got Jarvis Landry. Mm -hmm. Like, you got two – great receivers and you just don't I, I don't know they very well could have lost that game even sooner if it wasn't for a late pick exactly you look at this team and they have chances to win they have chances to do better but they have to like you capitalize mentioned, on their, yes if you look at their coaching staff they have to believe in their offense you can't just call a draw play especially with about nine minutes left in the game only down four mm-hmm. you have a chance to pin the Rams deep back in their own end zone and maybe get a short field for yourself if you force them to punt there's a lot of things they can do that could get them these close games. If this is a this is a winnable game for the Browns, they mm-hmm. very well could have won this. But when it came down to coaching or showing up on offense, they were non-existent. We have uh, Jalen Ramsey down in Jacksonville. Obviously, he has this whole situation stepping away from the team to be with uh, his family for the birth of his second child. Um, you have, obviously, numerous teams interested in, in having him. What do you guys think about that whole situation? Looking at Jalen Ramsey, first things first, a very talented player, uh, one of the best corners in the league, in my opinion, if not the best. Definitely a great player. If we go back to when he wanted to be traded. If you look at that game against the Texans, you can see him getting an argument with their head coach, Doug Marone. He definitely, of course, was what I believe was adamant about a trade. And then eventually, earlier this week, saying that the Jaguars organization saying how he doesn't want to be traded. To me, it's really what do the Jaguars want to do? Because when it comes time for his contract, which I believe is coming up this This offseason, he wants to be the highest paid corner. And he's been adamant about it during the offseason. He had a $20 bill in his chest pads. He's proven it. (laughs) And he's been honest about it on Instagram, saying that he's going to break the bank. He wants to be the guy. And I believe he deserves to get paid in his own right. He definitely has showed up for the Jaguars organization. Of course, they have a great defensive line. But... 
when you look at corners and more broadly the corners in the league, it's hard to talk about how Jalen Ramsey isn't a top five, top three, top ten corner. If they trade him, it's tough to say that it would be the right thing to do. If anything, I, it's a mistake. So I think that right now they need to be patient with Ramsey. I think they need to hear him out. I don't think they need to adapt around him, but they need to there needs to be a mutual respect reestablished in that organization, especially with things not going as to plan with Nick Foles being injured. They need to get Leonard Fournette working into their offense. Jalen Ramsey is a piece that I don't think that they can afford to lose right now. If the Jaguars were to decide, you know what, we got to cut bait with, with Jalen Ramsey, where do you think they would look to trade him? I think that as a competitor, they would look to trade him outside of at least their division. Maybe mm-hmm. not their conference, but out of the division. I think it would be for a fun kind of thing. I think it would be pretty fun to see him on the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Of course, the team that's trying to rebuild their defense, trying to get better defensively. Of course, they got Alex Okafor. They got Tyron Matthew. Frank Clark. Frank Clark. They're trying to create some kind of defense, especially better than last season. So I think that they'll definitely need to look at that. The Raiders, I believe, was a, was a team that was actually interested. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe the Eagles also were in the mix. There's definitely... There's definitely a lot of a lot of teams, of course. It would be foolish not to be interested, right? So, but for teams that I would like to see him on or teams that I think have a chance to get him, Eagles, Raiders, Chiefs, no particular order. But those are some teams I think would have a good shot at getting him. I'd be surprised if he didn't go to the, uh, well, like, not surprised, but um, if the Falcons didn't try to make a push because they did just lose Keanu Neal uh, with an Achilles injury, so I... I would throw the Falcons in the mix if they were smart, you know, just to get some secondary help. For sure. It's not it, – the question isn't really who's interested in Jalen Ramsey. I mean, anybody, like you said, would be foolish not to at least call up the Jaguars and say, hey, what could – you know, what can I give you for him? But it's more so the teams with a actual need that would be willing to give up something that the Jaguars are willing to take back. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely interesting, and it will be interesting to see how that whole situation in Jacksonville plays out. Talk to me about Melvin Gordon and his holdout. Well, we just see word today that Melvin Gordon will be ending his holdout. Uh, I think this really is a huge boost towards the Chargers in their offense. Of course, they've been doing well with Austin Eckler and Detrez Newsom, but I think Melvin Gordon also gives them that added boost to their offense, as I've said. I think it boosts the Chargers up. They'll be able to contend with the Chiefs a bit more, especially down the line when they play them later in the season. I'm glad that it didn't turn into a Le'Veon Bell situation where it was an actual distraction, but I think that this will help them, definitely. Yeah, it'll definitely help them in terms of, because their offense is already looking pretty dangerous with Keenan Allen and Phillip Rivers already clicking, Keenan Allen being number one in receptions already um, this year in the league, so definitely if they get Melvin Gordon back, they... um. They have a good chance to be uh, playoff contenders. For sure, they'll definitely be contenders for that uh, second wild card spot. But go, just going back to Melvin, talk about a backfire with his holdout. You know, like you said, uh, the receiving core uh, wasn't half bad with him gone, and you know now it probably cost him a bit of money because he, you know, he held that for a contract negotiation, and mm-hmm. that definitely back kind of backfired on him. I definitely think that. His contract situation this upcoming offseason, I think, will be interesting. Mm-hmm. It'll be 
I don't know how the Chargers will handle it. I don't know if he'll be traded. I don't know if he'll end up staying Gore or if they'll end up releasing him. But it'll be definitely interesting to say the least. All right, I think uh, with that, we've got a pretty good idea of what's to come uh, for the season in the NFL. Do you guys have any closing remarks? Uh, no, thanks for having me, Joel. Uh, for sure. Yeah, thanks for having me.